0: So good to see everybody this morning. We welcome you to Christ Church. We're so glad you're in the house with us if you're a first-time guest. Uh, We're extremely happy. We know that you could have been anywhere, but you're here with us. and We just believe that there is a life in God beyond what you and I could ever imagine. And we've got an assignment to help get you there and help you walk out in the fullness of God. I I believe that's what we're here for. And we're going to after you with everything we can and after this generation. I, I'm going to say that. I'm going to go after this generation. Hello? I felt something the other day. Everywhere I go, everywhere I turn is always what has been and what has been done. And if that's all that you and I are gazing at, we're going to miss what God is doing in our present. And it's not going to look like back there, although it may have parts of that. I believe there will be a little bit of all of it in there. And, and, but I don't want to miss God in anything. So let's get our eyes upon Jesus. Well, I want you to go with me this morning to the book of John. So glad again, to good, just glad to see all of you uh, this morning in the house of the Lord. We've been doing a series this month entitled Love and Relationships. And maybe out of, the, out of the ones I've done, maybe this might be the most important one. And I'll put a little uh, uh, disclaimer up at the front. I'm not focusing on any one person, but really dealing with all of us that are in the room. Because I believe all of us uh, need, we need Jesus like we've never needed him before. Uh, but we need him especially In the times when we've been greatly disappointed. Today I'm going to talk about when love disappoints. Has anybody in this room other than me ever been disappointed? Let me see your hand. Anybody not? You're a liar if you said you were. Because you're not going to be in this life in any form. That disappointment doesn't come. But I want to give you a passage of Scripture to start with, and we're just going to see what Holy Ghost does. In, in John chapter 13, this, this was the chapter I dealt with last week, when Jesus uh, spent his last evening, in a sense, with his disciples in an upper room having a last meal. Jesus rises from the table knowing that Satan has uh, put it in the heart of, of Judas to betray him, and knowing that his hour had come, Jesus' hour had come, and he rises from the table, takes off his garment, puts on a towel, and he begins to walk around and wash everybody's feet. And he said, if I, your Lord and teacher, have done this, this is what you ought to do as well. And then he gave them a command. It was one of the last words that he gave them in John 34, uh, John 13 and 34. A new commandment I give you that you... Matter of fact, let's just read that together, can we? I think it's up on the screen. Let, let's read this together. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Now, I don't know about you, but I've come to find out over a lot of years, over my whole life, this love issue is a challenge. It's not easy. If it was easy, God would have never gave us a commandment. Because a commandment isn't an option. If we're going to be followers of Jesus... If we're going to be his people, he said, wait a minute, you're going to walk in my kingdom. If you're going to follow after me, you're going to have to walk in love. You're going to have to know what love is. You're going to have to know how to handle love. He said by this, he didn't say anything about a miracle here. He didn't say anything about how big, how small our churches are, the tattoos on our arm. He said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. Let's put it in our vernacular that you are my followers, that you are with me, is by your love one for another. So it's not always easier. If it was, it wouldn't be a command. So I have to constantly work at the love issue on every level because love love touches a lot of, of different places. And the kingdom really is all about relationships. Been talking to you. We're good this way. Boy, we love to get in the presence of God. That's where we will. Let's just get in here in this holy moment. And say we all love that encounter. But what is tough is when we leave that encounter and I have to live out what this has been all about. This is actually like the fueling station. Like when I go, last night I had to get some fuel. I was down, you know, it was showing nine miles on my computer, maybe less. Hey, you need us to show you where a service station is? My car talks to me like that. I knew where it was. I just hadn't stopped yet. But I didn't sit there at the gas station. It was cold outside, and I didn't sit with the, oh, this is the best gas smell I've ever had. I didn't just get all ooey-gooey over the pump and where I was. But I knew if I wanted to get to my destinations, fulfill my assignment, I need the fuel to make my automobile get me where I'm supposed to go. That's the whole purpose of us even coming together, coming into his presence, getting into the word, worshiping together. It's not for what happens in here. It's what happens out there. And it also affects everything in here. So what is this? Does love really disappoint? number of years ago when I first started pastoring, I've been pastoring now for 42 years. For you guys that don't know us, we pastored in Paducah, and I was doing a wedding. And I do weddings and funerals just like I do for a service. God, what do you want to say? I always seek the Lord. God, give me something for this couple. Give me something for this family. Let me help them. And I had done that for this couple that was getting married. They were senior to us. When I say senior, they were a little bit older. They had both been married and divorced. And I'm marrying them. And so I'm doing this wedding. I had the word of the Lord all spilled out. And all of a sudden, out of my mouth comes these words. There's never been a marriage that failed. And I'm thinking, oh, God, get that back, get that back, get that back. Because everybody knew this couple. They knew they had come from broken relationship. And I, I, I mean, it really messed with me. God, did I miss you? Did I fail you? I mean, it come out of me before I turned around. And this is what the Lord spoke to me. He said, Zach, it wasn't marriage that failed. It's people that do. Because that which is born of God overcomes the world, even our faith. So you and I have to realize something. Love never fails. It doesn't fail. If anything is failing, it's us. It's people. It's this flesh that we get involved in. I, I, I believe there's a couple of reasons. I, I, I wrote a lot of stuff down I heard a pastor recently talk about how to preach. And he said, make a lot of notes and preach short. I'm not good at either one. so. But I believe there's a couple of reasons that disappointment come. We got a family today. We got a family today dealing with disappointment because we believe, Charlie's family, we believe that God was going to touch his sister-in-law. God would do a miracle and she would get up and walk out of that hospital. How many knows? I, I, I know people, I talk to people that are totally disappointed at God. Because God didn't meet their expectation. God didn't do what they thought he ought to do. God didn't turn the way they thought he ought to turn. And we got people set in the house of God. You haven't walked away from him, but you're just disappointed at him. Come on, we get disappointed as brothers and sisters with each other. Churches split, churches pull apart, churches go different directions. I I, I mean, we could look there, even our own families. We got people living together in the same house, but really don't like each other. Because of the fact that we disappoint, we're disappointed. We have somewhere failed along the journey. Brothers and sisters are good friends, have walked together that no longer walk together because all of a sudden something crept up. And this is usually what happens when the disappointment comes. We start blaming, we start blaming everything under the sun why this thing broke apart. Not realizing, I believe there may be more, but I I just come up with what I thought were three good reasons why people uh, get disappointed. First of all, because of false expectations. Remember what God is talking about. He said, when he gave a command for them to walk in love, he's talking about the agape. And agape says, I love you without expectations. And agape says, I'm here to meet your need without anything coming back. Boy, that's hard to get to. I think I told you uh, from the first, uh, first Sunday that I started this, most of it's especially in marriage. I'm, I'm talking about every relationship, not just marriage, okay? Because life is full of relationships. From close friends to co-workers to everything, even to the cashier that you deal with at the store. It's all about relationship. Everything in life is really governed and geared by relationships. But if I'm not careful, I live with a false expectation. Oh, I know, I was going back to marriage. I believe when we're kids and you know just teenagers, you see see that beautiful lady across the crowded room. Some of you met in a bar. It was you know this, and you saw her through all the smoke and whoo! I wanted to be with her. If you were like me, I saw her in church. She still looked fine even in church. She's wore a dress, she wore a dress home. I think possibly won her mom, but she still looked fine. She may be somewhere in the room. So it didn't matter, it was a relationship. Uh, we liked each other. We were in this, philos or This I don't know exactly how you pronounce it. We're, we're in this friendship kind of love. And, and, and it's really built on, uh, built in a sense of what we relate around. You, you know, one of the things that me and Diane uh, spent a lot of time, believe it or not, in our dating years, you know, back then, I know, I know y'all are a lot holier than we are, but we would go parking. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So we would go and and we'd find a nice, quiet, you know, but a lot of times, believe it or not, there was the other stuff, but believe it or not, we were talking about the vision of God that he had put in our hearts. We talked many times about the, the, what we felt like was the will of God that we would minister, that we would do missions, that we would have an orphanage and we would have all of this stuff. We would have 10 kids. I don't know what I was thinking. I mean, we talk stuff like that. But then I come to find out that a lot of times we were, I'm going to say it like this, we were more in lust than we were in love. And we started out there, but it, the longer the years went, our our love for each other took a different dynamic. It took a different dimension. We matured. I, I don't think that, it matured. I, we matured a little bit. So we begin to see each other differently. Boy, that's a great point right there. You need to understand this. Love is as mature as it will ever get. It's you that will mature. It's us that matures to understand what God is really talking about. So we go along these journeys and sometimes even people get, start off real good and start off real fair. And then down the road, I, I mean not even two or three months and all of a sudden they're already in trouble. Because you and I both know that a great marriage isn't going to just last on the physical part. Because life can bring way too many changes. And yet it's a great part of it. I remember I, I do premarital counseling and I had one couple, I, I tell them when they come in if I can talk you out of this, I'm going to save your life. And I do that. And, and I, I've done over the years, I haven't done so much in the last number of years, but I remember one couple didn't belong to the church. They called me, I said, yeah, as long as you let me counsel you, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to, I, I'll do it. So they came to the church, him and her, and I got to know him a little bit, ask him who they were, and here's the crazy thing: he's getting ready to go off to prison on a drug charge. So I'm sitting here's this beautiful young lady, and I'm going, oh, "God, this isn't good. This isn't a way to start." I, I wasn't going to take. Hey, I'm I'm not going to do this. But I started into the word, and I begin to talk about love, and I begin to talk about relationship with them, and then it comes down to this place. Jesus or Peter? Uh, yeah, is it Peter? Yeah, speaks it. I believe it's First Peter. No, it's Paul. Says it in the Book of Ephesians. Sorry, I'll get there. Yeah, it's Paul that said this. He talks about submission one to another, and he's talking about this. He said, I'm speaking to you a great mystery, but I'm speaking about Christ and his church. And then he says something like this. No man ever yet hates his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. I looked at the young lady, and I said, sweetheart, you want me me to tell you how much this young man's going to love you? I said, he's going to love you no more. Than the way he takes care of you now. And beyond that, even how he takes care of himself. If he doesn't, if he doesn't care what he does in his life, if he's abusive to his own body through this or through that, through drugs and addiction and such as that, I said, sweetheart, I don't care how much he talks to you now, he's not going to love you. And the next thing I know, she exits the room. And I'm stuck with him. I think, I'm getting ready to die. (laughs) And that marriage was over like that. But it is a principle of the word. Think about that for a moment. Because if you don't care about yourself, you're not going to care about that one. It really becomes a selfish issue that he was just thinking about himself, using her to please himself to get what he wanted for a moment. So I believe... I believe in the reasons that there are uh, disappointments in love. Remember, love is mature and love never fails. But we have, we have false expectations of one another. Or maybe, maybe it's not false expectations. Maybe here's the second one. We just have other expectations. We just have other expectations. Boy. I want to tell you, there's not a greater place to get disappointed than in the body of Christ. Because our expectations are very high upon everyone. Because y'all don't think I can fail. I don't think you can fail. And we wind up failing one another. There's a major ministry in our nation right now going through it. I mean, it's rocking right now, heavy. But again, it's a sin issue, but with the expectations have brought so much pain that we never thought that any of us could ever, ever disappoint. And sometimes it's people, I thought you were with me. I told you, I think it was last week, years ago when I started, I've been Pentecostal all my life. And in my town of Paducah, Kentucky, every church that I knew that was Pentecostal was just a split off of a split off of a split. And when I, that means for you that have never been church, it means they couldn't get along. And this guy took his ball and went down the road. That's basically what happened. And and I, I made my mind up back there. That will never happen in our church. And in order for that to never happen, I could not be identified with that. So I took Pentecostal. I'm still Pentecostal, but I took it off my name because I didn't want everybody in our city to, oh, you're just like that group. And nine times out of 10, there was great disappointment among the body of Christ just over our expectations of one another was different. And when it got different and it showed out and we didn't think about some of the decisions we made because we make decisions without thinking who it's going to hurt and what it's going to affect. Didn't y'all think Miss Pastor Noel done a tremendous job this morning? Thank God for a young lady like that leading our children. Yeah, thank the Lord. But we never think, what if she didn't show up Sunday morning? Never calls, never, well, pastor, I just busy. I thought you knew. No, it leaves us in a hole. And anytime there's a hole or something doesn't work, just a few weeks ago, what are the lines out here three phase line? One of them broke out here while we had stuff going on. Come in, everything was running half power. Everything was dim. Some things weren't even working. And here's the reality of that. See, we just got this thing that we can do. And there's a great disappointment because, wait a minute, didn't you say you would help us? Didn't you say you would do that? I'm being greatly honest, okay? As a pastor, I have to deal with this all the time. And I have to deal with my own heart. I tell people that want to get close to us and get work for us, I might as well go put a bullseye on you. Because here's the reality. If the enemy can't get to me, he'll come get to you. Because if he can get you, and I tell them, let me tell you right up front, you're going to see me and my wife at our best, and you're going to see us sometimes at our worst. Miss Judy worked for us a long time. She's seen it. She knows it. She's heard it. I remember, you remember that time we had Pastor Parsley coming? You remember that? We were filling this auditorium. And uh, So I was at the TV station that day. He's coming in, and they're helping get this room ready. Her and my wife were working to get where we could get as many seats in this house as they could get. And so they called me on the way back. I always called. I was on the way back, and they said, we got the auditorium fixed up. And I thought, "Uh uh-oh. It's a long time, Miss Judy. (laughs) But she caught the wrath of that that day. Because when I come in, I said, I don't like this. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. I mean, we had chairs everywhere, but no aisles. So you had to go all the way out to get out of here. I said, it ain't going to work. You're not going to feel this room. Somebody's going to have to eat up, go to the bathroom. They're going to stumble over everybody and they're going to create more. Issues. And so I don't know where she's not in here right now, but I'd say it anyway. But boy, she would just at this is the way it's going to be. You're just hard-headed." And I got people in the room. Other volunteers come. I said, You and I are going into the room out there, and I know they could still hear us in here. I'm just making a point that we're still flesh, we're still human, we still do crazy things because our expectations are not there. And then, here I think is the biggest one of all we all just operate in our flesh, we're flesh people. We just get in our flesh. And sometimes we don't know the difference between the flesh and the spirit. And it feels good, so I go after it. Not realizing, wait a minute, I can make a move way too quick and I can disrupt everything. We get in our flesh. Every one of us have desires in our flesh. Scripture tells us that what what we have to overcome, the, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh. Somebody said, even would say it like this, well, the devil is just working. Yes, he's working, but he's working with the tools we give him because he can't work if we don't give him a tool. And sometimes we don't realize I become a tool that the enemy is using. And if I do, then I begin to open the door. That great disappointment happens among people. I know I can keep pushing that and pushing that. But it doesn't even happen. But but a lot of people are disappointed with church. I've heard people say, I'll never go back to church again. When our major leaders fell 20-something, 30-something years ago, I had immediate calls coming in. I'll never go back to church. I'll never go back. And as far as I know, they never came back to church. As far as I know. There's people all over our community, I've been offended by things that went on among the body of Christ. I, I, I thought, wait a minute. I, I thought we were closer than that. I, I, I thought you would listen to me more. I, I, I thought this, I thought that. There again is the expectation. There again, our flesh gets in the way and the enemy takes that tool. And when it does, it brings great disappointments to our hearts. People walk away from us. People leave us. People do this. Sometimes with good intention, but it doesn't always mean it's God. It doesn't always mean that it was the right time. And maybe it was, but it still hurts. And it still disappoints. So we have to fight through this moment of, of disappointment and the things that we go through. Because we just can't imagine that people love us could hurt us on any scale. You know, there was an old saying that said, sticks and stones can break your bones, but words can never hurt you. Boy, isn't that a lie? Isn't that a lie? Because it can't hurt. It can hurt. It can destroy. It can change everything about you. And you never dreamed that it would do it. You know, the scripture tells us this, that we're to guard our hearts with all diligence. For out of it flows the issues of life. I think that's Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23, I believe. Why did he say guard your heart? Because that's where the seed of love is. See, you and I are try you beings, believe it or not. We've got a spirit. We've got a soul, which is our mind, will, and emotion. And we live in this thing that is called a body, made of flesh, which just simply, it's earthly. And so that's why we got to guard our hearts because the Bible said this in Romans chapter 5. I believe it's the 8th verse or 5th verse, somewhere like this. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. So where does that love come from? That gives me a hint and a secret. If I'm going to live and work in agape, I'm going to have to live in a close relationship with Holy Spirit. And that's more than an encounter or a feel good. It's you and I communing with the Holy Spirit himself. Help me, Holy Spirit, to love. Because I can't do this on my own. I can't do this in my ability. Lives have been crushed and totally disappointed because they thought love failed, but it never was love that failed. The Bible tells us in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse, uh, I think it's the eighth verse, something like this. It says, love never fails. And all of us are tempted to be disappointed, to be deeply wounded, and to be shipwrecked. And I want to tell you, that's the strategy and the nature of the enemy for all of us. One thing that I've learned over the years, one great requirement that God requires of all of us when we are hurt and we are disappointed, one great requirement He always calls us to do. And He calls us to forgiveness. If you're going to get over disappointment, you're going to have to learn. If you're going to walk in righteous relationships, you're going to have to learn to forgive. Because sometimes... We hurt each other and don't realize it. We trespass across the line. Wait a minute, you come across the line. I didn't ask you in. I'll be very vulnerable myself. I, even this past week, had to call up a friend that I had an issue with. Been for a while. This thing keeps creeping up in my heart. And I'm saying, God, I don't want this. Because I want to be everything that you want me to be and. As long as this stuff is creeping up in my heart, the Bible tells us in the book of Matthew, he says this, if you've got ought against your brother, get it settled. You need to address it. Somehow, deal with that. So I had to get with them, in a sense. and I said, hey, dude. I didn't say dude, but I I said, hey, dude. I said, I've got to call you and I'm dealing with me. And I'm trying to be as scriptural as I can. Because the scripture says you got to call your brother to settle it. I said there's some actions that have gone on that I don't think was proper that you handled right. And, and I just want you to know that. And we chatted that out for a few moments. He apologized for the offense. and, and But I but I begin to settle my heart. We chatted for a, a pretty good while on that. Uh, But I'm telling you, all of us have to deal with things from time to time. And I had to come to this place. God, I'll let them go. I'm going to forgive. It doesn't mean I forget, but I'm going to forgive. I'm going to release you. That's what real forgiveness means. I release you. You owe me nothing. You owe me nothing. But I'm releasing you. And I'm not asking God to get you. Hello, church. I'm not at, boy, you're gonna get struck by a semi truck. No. It means you release them and you let them go. Now let me land my jet in this with this fashion for the last part. Because I realize something. Can't get away from it. That even though we forget, when we've been disappointed, when we've been hurt hurt, listen to what i am said. You've been hurt and wounded. There are a lot of times we continue to carry the wound even though we've given it all to the Lord. And never being healed of that of that issue. Never. And we walk around. And if we don't, it affects every relationship that I get in. Do you ever notice that? Uh, And I'm not targeting anybody, so please. Did you ever notice somebody that's been in an abusive situation from the start? And they get out of that. Man, I'm glad I'm out of that. They find another joker, male or female, the same way and get him back into the same relationship. And then they'll get out of that and go right back to the second. I think I shared this story last week of a lady in my church, a young lady that was... Her parents were business people, and she came come to our church. She had been married. She was just a young lady, and her husband was a little bit abusive, and so she so she divorced him. She got out of it. It wasn't long after that she remarried again. They're coming to our church, and she calls me up one day and said, hey, I, I've got to get out of this. He's, I said, you and I got to talk. She brings mama to the church with her, and I'm sitting there talking to her, and, and she'd gotten out, it was two, two times. Now she's in her third relationship. And this is what I began to share I said, God, how am I going to deal with this? And the Lord quickened to me that sometimes the reason she keeps going back to situations like that is because there's something going on in here. I said, Hun, when you figure out what's going on in here, you'll figure out why you keep falling into the hands of guys like that. That's why some of you need to be very discerning, very careful about who you get in relationships with. But we need to be healed. And let me bring it like this. It's real easy to know that God forgives us of all of our sin, I think. But it's very difficult to understand that God can heal all of our wounds. I want to give, give you a promise if you have been in any form of a place where you've been deeply wounded and hurt and your heart been broken. This is a promise. I think it's Psalms 137. It's in the scripture two or three different times in the Old Testament. Let me. I wrote it down, I believe. Let me make sure I can find it. Uh, oh, it's Psalms 147, verse 3. This is what it says. The Lord is near the brokenhearted and he bindeth up all their wounds. Now, I want you to keep that in mind. The Lord is near the brokenhearted, because you're broken doesn't mean that God's not with you. Matter of fact, he didn't say that about anybody else that I can find. He just said, I'm near the brokenhearted. Or I'll draw near to those that draw near me. That's another one. But it also in Psalms uh, 38, 34, verse 18, it says, The Lord is near the brokenhearted. So what he's saying is, I understand where you are. And I begin to walk through the crucifixion of Jesus. Now I want you to look at this because we're dealing with the flesh issue. And I believe if you'll let him this morning, you could walk away from this place totally and completely changed if you'll hear what I'm going to tell you. If you're broken in your flesh, the God of heaven, that is spirit, came from heaven to earth, sent his own son to become flesh for one purpose, to forgive us of all of our sins, and to heal us of all our diseases and sicknesses. He became flesh to deal with your flesh. Scripture tells us in Hebrews, we don't have a high priest that cannot be touched by the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are. Wait a minute. He knows what a broken heart is? He, He knows what abuse is? He knows what it is to have a friend betray you. He knows what it is to have somebody steal from you. He knows what it is to be tempted with the. I, I'm one of these to believe that when it says he's in all points tempted, you know how your flesh works and my flesh works. You know, there's times I got this real feeling I want to knock somebody out. You do too. Jesus did. he overcame it the lust of his flesh man I I may not I I may not get hung up in drugs and alcohol never had any of that stuff Uh, but a pretty face can turn my head and my pretty face is back there right now it can catch my eye if I'm not careful and, and and I have to watch that because it's the lust of the eyes think about this I believe it happened to Jesus Oh, pastor, I don't believe. He was in all points. He knows what you're dealing with. Do you ever think about this? When he went into the garden to be tempted of the devil three times. I mean, he had the big D himself. And the, Mark's gospel said it like this. Jesus went into the wilderness with the wild beast. I sharing this with pastor. I, I believe this is what's happening. If you go back to Genesis 3, what was the serpent? He was the most subtle beast of the field. So if he was the most subtle beast, there must have been other beasts there. And if that is the picture of the enemy, when Satan was thrown out of the heavens, his tail threw a third of the, drew a third of the angels with him. Now every sp- ungodly spirit was in that garden working and tempting Jesus. In every way possible, but he overcame it every time. So he became flesh. That's the most important thing. He can relate to where you are. My brother died 30 years ago, I believe it was. I've told it before. Died with AIDS through an act of homosexuality. While we were wrapping up his funeral, and my heart was broken. Never anybody close to us like that had passed. I said, God, this is one thing you don't know. You don't know what it is to lose somebody like this. You don't know this pain. I thought, yeah. He didn't answer me that day. Scott, I never will forget the day I'm driving home on a beautiful spring day and I almost get to my house and the Lord speaks to me driving down the road. Where was Joseph? What are you talking about? Where was Joseph? And when you walk through the life of Jesus, Joseph was there before he was born. Joseph was there when he was born. Joseph was there to take care of him and watch over him, nurture him, wash him, took him to the temple to be dedicated. Joseph was there to teach him a trade, and everybody knew, oh, you're Joseph's son. But after the age of 12, Joseph is no longer mentioned because somewhere one of the closest entities in Jesus' life had died and Jesus knew what it was to lose somebody that was that close to you and there wasn't a greater relationship, I believe, other than marriage in that day than a father and a son or a child and the father. But Jesus knew what it was. Think about this through the life of Jesus. The last thing that he did, he washes the feet of the one that's going to betray him. Anybody in this room ever been betrayed? That means somebody's walked with you, been with you, talked with you, laughed with you. They convinced you they were with you the whole time and they're the one that put their hand in your cookie jar and stole your cookies. Hello? They betrayed you. All of us have had, no doubt, some measure of betrayal. Think about this. Anybody ever been lied upon? This is all in the crucifixion of Jesus. As he led from that upper room to go into that garden, he looks there and they falsely accuse him. They lie upon him with everything. Anybody in the room ever been lied upon? Boy, that that doesn't feel good, does it? It hurts us. But Jesus went, all of that was for you. Because he said, I'm relating to where you are that I can bring healing. They mocked him. They mocked him. If you be who you say you are, command this, command that. Boy, we get that trying to be believers in our day. If you're really all that in a bag of chips, why didn't this happen when you prayed? Why didn't this miracle? That's really the enemy mocking you. Same thing that happened to Jesus. Think about this. They spat in his face. I've heard women say this, especially when their husband betrayed them and their husband cheated on them. He just spit in my face. The most humiliating, one of the most humiliating, demeaning acts that anything could happen. I don't believe it was just a little bit of spit here and there. You've got to think about the crowd that was around him the whole time. They're spitting and that saliva, that junk from their lips is now running down his face and running down onto his garments. They spat in his face and then they beat him. The whole issue was they beat him. The whole issue, if you really look it up, they're breaking him down. Some of you have been in relationships that wasn't healthy. I'm not talking just about a marriage relationships. You could have friendship relationships that are not good for you. That they're not encouraging you. They're not building you up. They're not directing you. But they are there and they're constantly breaking you down. And then the Bible said they stripped him of his raiment. In other words, the enemy comes. and some of you know what it feels like. All my dignity has been taken away from me been taken away from me and I want to tell you people can be cruel relationships can be difficult and a lot of times this all comes out of this thing we call love and we don't realize it we think is that what love's all about this is why we've got to work harder at it moms and dads and adults in the room because a lot of times our children are only modeling what they're seeing through us we don't think they understand. We don't think they hear. We don't think they perceive. They perceive far more than what you can imagine. But they, would, they stripped him of his raiment with the whole intent to remove his dignity. And his raiment, when they took that away in that day, the raiment was what was a status symbol in a sense. It declared something about who that individual was, that person. I think they, when they took the cloth of Jesus and, and you know, they, uh, <coughs> what, what did, what did they, they took bids or something like that, you know, to get his garment. Because it wasn't just because it was Jesus. It was a whole piece of garment, a whole piece of material that wasn't divided, that made it even more costly. And everything about that was to strip him and leave him in a place where he had no dignity, crown of thorns pressed into his skull. The enemy so messes with our mind. I believe I know there's deeper revelations than what I'm giving you. But the enemy, went, I think I'm going to lose my mind, I don't even know who I am no more. I don't even know how to think clear. I had a brother a few years ago come against me in our region. It was back pre-COVID. I'm telling you, he come at me strong, accusing me of this, telling me I wasn't this and because I just didn't do something he thought. As a matter of fact, Diane will tell you, because it really messed with my emotions. I, I, I don't even know who I am. i, I got to get away from here. I know this stuff works on our mind. That's what the enemy. But Jesus had a crown of thorns pressed into his head. They struck him with reeds. Feels like every time I turn, I'm getting a blow. Seems like now, once you get disappointed, once you get hurt, once you get wounded, it just seems like it just keeps coming. And, and they kept beating, and then they scourged him, which means they had one intent we're going to inflict the greatest pain upon him of which we could give with a cat of nine tails that was embrayed into it, flesh hooks that would, it would come around his body with a soldier. And according to, as I was reading, they could just keep beating him until his life was gone. And it would lock in and literally pull his flesh from his bone until everything on the inside of him was exposed. I'm telling you what Jesus did. I, Pastor, I've heard that story, but you need to know he done it for you. he done it to heal your woundedness. He done to heal your disappointment he didn't just come to take our sin yes that's primary but he didn't want us just to be free from sin and then live like hell he wanted us to be free from sin and to be whole the way he intended for us to always live hung him upon a cross do you ever feel like you were cursed matter of fact maybe somebody even said I'm just cursed well he understands that because the scripture says when they nailed him to the tree, the scripture says, Cursed is every man that hangeth on a tree. I'm just a nothing. Well, that's how Jesus felt. The Bible said that he was esteemed and he was uh he was stricken, not esteemed, but he was stricken and smitten of God and looked upon. That guy must be cursed because everything about him there was no esteem. There was nothing that was given to him. They hung him to a tree. They nailed him there. They, embodied, they literally paralyzed him where he could not move. And then Jesus cries these words. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. I thought about that. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Some of them thought they were doing God a service. And some were just out for cruel defeat. Scripture says this. The spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. But from the cross, he said, Father, forgive. I know this is hard to receive and accept. But sometimes the people that have hurt you don't have a clue what they just did. You don't know that husband that walked away, that wife that walked away, that covenant that was broke, they have no clue how deep that wound went. I believe that's one of the things that Jesus was saying. Father, forgive them. They don't know how deep they're wounding. They don't know where this is going. And most of the time, the one that hurt us, that abused us, that misused us, that disappointed, has no clue what it done to our spirit, to our soul. But the Father said, Jesus said to the Father, father "Forgive." And he's hanging between heaven and earth, and he said, "I'm going to die so they can live." I want you to stand with your feet to your feet with me this morning. I hope this made sense to you today Bible says this I love this verse Isaiah 53 5 he was wounded for my transgression bruised for my iniquity the chastisement of my peace is upon him and with his stripes I'm healed that's not just talking about healing of cancer and some measure of sickness all of that was dealing with our flesh our failures I don't know about you I've disappointed myself I learned don't ever say never but I've disappointed myself at times I gave in I stumbled I tripped I got angry I did that I just never dreamed that would come from me And then he said he was bruised. What is a bruise? It's an inward break. For those things that went on on the inside of you. And the chastisement of our peace. Yes, I deserved every bit of that because that's what the enemy makes. Wants you to think I deserve it. But Jesus said, I've taken it all so that you can be healed. And he'd done it in his flesh. I really believe God gave me this to share with you. And I believe there's people here today that need healing. I'm going to ask my altar workers to come. If you don't mind, please come. I don't. I want to beg you. I want you to just come. And I want you to get in the Holy Spirit for just a few moments. Just pray in the Holy Spirit, just for a few moments. I want everybody here to close your eyes just for a moment. I believe God's going to heal some people this morning. He's going to free you. This is for you. If you're here this morning, say, Pastor, I've been so disappointed. I've been so wounded. I've been so hurt. I don't even know who I am anymore. I'm talking to you. But I want you to know that God said this. That His love was so great for you that He gave His Son that you could have life and have it more abundantly. I'm not going to beg you. not going to plead. I'm just going to ask you to come because I believe there's healing power here right now for you. So I want you to step from your seat. Pastor, you're talking to me. I want my heart healed. I've been disappointed. They're going to lift up a song. It's 1125. If you need to slip out of here, this service is over. But if you need healing, God wants to meet you here this morning. While they sing, I want you to come right now. Holy Spirit, do your work in this people this morning. So would you come? Pastor, I want healing. I want wholeness. I'm not going to live the same way I want you to come right now Right now Come on, this is your moment This is your moment